the classroom. You knew it was going to be like a movie or, or something like that. We, I remember back in the day they had like the things on the reels still, you know. And, uh, you know, so anyway, it's, it's good to be at the Harbor Worship Center this morning. And uh, I'm excited about today's service. I think I'm more prepared and, than I have ever been for a service. And I got me some new shoes. And uh, I, I told my wife, I said, hey, I want you to go buy me a new outfit. And, and she said, you don't need any new clothes. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, you look at her closet, and it's like there's always stuff got in the mail yesterday that came in that she had ordered. And, uh, but she thought, I've got enough. And, uh, but I, I do have on some new shoes, and I ironed out my shirt and brushed my teeth this morning. And... Uh, I'm excited about what God is going to do. How many of y'all were here the last time I spoke? Okay, y'all, a few, I, I believe I can kind of just re-preach that because not a, not a lot of y'all were here. And because I'm telling you, what I got this morning, it's, it's good. Pa- I, I sent it to Pastor Mike, and uh, he was going to give me money for it. So I, I, I might just put this one back and, and let him preach this one. But uh, anyway, I am excited about today's message. and. and and all joking aside, I am prepared for it. I, am, uh, I have fasted, I have prayed, I have sought God about this message. And uh, as I guess it was uh, Pastor Mike had approached me a couple of months ago and, uh, and asked me to preach, and I was excited. Uh, it's always an honor to, to get to stand before you. And uh, Pastor Mike, you know, they didn't end up going to, to Guatemala. Sister Kelly's you know, mom had passed away. And uh, so y'all keep her in your prayers. And uh, I was, me and my wife were kind of laughing about the fact that if, you know, he's a builder. He can, like, build all kind of stuff. Pastor Mike can. And he is a tremendous asset, you know, in Guatemala because of his skills. And I could just see me, if, if I had been scheduled to go to Guatemala and I wasn't able to go, and you ask, like, Pastor Josh, whenever he gets back, well, hey, how, how did it go without Richard there? And and they went, well, you know, it, it didn't really seem to change, you know, much. Because I'm just, I have very limited skills. Uh, if, if things break at the house, I, I can't fix them. Uh, I just, I'm, I don't know what it is. I just had a mechanical bypass at an early age, and I, I can't fix stuff. But uh, it is all right. And D, I, you going to hang out for the second? I need D in the second service, too. I, I'm tell you, I, I like being on this side of the sanctuary, and I can hear Dee's voice because she's got a shout in her, and, uh, and, and there's something, it's a shout of triumph, it's a shout of praise, and uh, I, I believe it's a good thing. So uh, anyway, let's get started. We're talking about being unshakable, and uh, I want to be unshakable. I don't want to be easily shaken. Uh, I don't want to be easily, you know, riled up and, and get off course. I even think about before I get up here, my pulse begins to rise. My pulse is normally about 55, and it, it begins to escalate as I begin to anticipate coming up here. But then all of a sudden, I sense the Spirit of God, and He begins to quicken my spirit, and everything begins to change. So uh, let's get started this morning. Uh, we're talking about temptation. Anybody ever here been tempted before? A few of you, a few of you. That's okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. And uh, I believe that uh, I, I want to zero in not just on any type of temptation. See, I believe it's one thing that if you're 
Say you're, you're hammering away at something and, and you hit your finger and something comes out of your mouth that maybe isn't the right thing and that happens once a year. I, to me, that's not a, a big deal. I'm not saying it's, it's okay. I'm just saying that's not what I'm going to be dealing with today. What I want to talk about today is I want to talk about those reoccurring things, those things that seem to travel with us no matter where we go. And, and maybe we're at a stage in life where we think, I, I should be past this by now. The Bible refers to them as besetting sins. It, re, it, it talks about those things that seem to reoccur in our lives again and again and again. And, and I believe the reason for it is that we don't really truly deal with it. Hey, I, I don't know if y'all have ever been over to somebody's house, and uh, I, I'm not going to call them out here today because I don't want to embarrass them, but I was at their house, and roaches, you know, began to, to crawl out, and they, took, they knew what to do. They took the high heel shoe and, and started hitting them, and, uh, and, you know, it got rid of the roaches, but, but my question is, is where, why are the roaches even there? So see, there's some things in our lives that we can kind of swat at and we can kind of take a swing at, but we have to ask ourselves, why is it even really there? And I believe that sometimes we have to go back to the previous generation because I don't know about you, but I see some things that begin to pop up in my life that I saw in my dad, and I don't like it. And, and, and I know that sometimes we can just kind of swat at it and it'll go away for a little bit, but then it seems to, it seems to come right back up. And I, I don't want it to be passed on to the next generation. I, I don't want things to be reoccurring in my son's life and in my daughter's life. I believe that there comes a time where you can say enough is enough. And, and, but you have to be willing to pay a price for it. There, somebody's got to pay a price and sacrifice. I believe they're also called familiar spirits, things that they just kind of, they hang out in your family. And, and you have to decide if, if you want to get rid of them or not. The, I, you know, the, it's, once a door is opened, whether it be gossip, whether it be bitterness, whether it be uh, adultery or whatever, it's easier and easier for that door to reopen again and again. The Bible says it like this in Galatians 5. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's pretty important that we get control of this stuff because it says right here, though, if you're doing this stuff, it says you won't inherit the kingdom of God. See, the, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's only he who does the will of the Father. So you can't just come and say a prayer one day, and that's important that you do that, but then you've got to start saying, you, you've got to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. You've got to cast away the, the sin that easily besets you and, and, and there's things, there's, there's methods that God has for us to do this. I begin to think about, you know, with our young people these days, you know, there, there's always things that the enemy will try to, he'll reinvent. You know, back years ago, you had people that smoked cigarettes and everything, and, and, and you even had, back in the 80s, you would have like a, a, an area of the high school where you went to smoke. Well, now you've got these things called jewels, and you've got people that are vaping, and it says that it's become more popular even than, than your typical traditional cigarettes. 
And, it, it, and the enemy repackages things, and he says, here, this is something that, that it's cool. We've got all these different flavors, and we've got this stuff. And, and I'm not here to say you, you, if you smoke, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the enemy wants you bound, though. He wants you entangled with some stuff. And if he can start it at an early age in our teenagers and in our young people, he can continue it on throughout your life in, unless you deal with it. They, they, you've, got to, you've got to understand that, that we become entangled and we, we get to the point where, where we begin to lose control of our own lives. I, I, we had a, a guy that I worked with, and he's a good guy. And uh, he had smoked all of his life. Not all, I, I mean, not since he was born, but probably since he was a teenager. And, uh, and he said, man, I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. I said, man, that's awesome. And uh, he, he began to... Some things happened in his life and some things, you know, some setbacks. And, and he began to say, you know, I'm, I, I saw him kind of smoking again. And this was after weeks, after about four or five weeks of not smoking a cigarette. And he said, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to get back to where I was. I'm not going to go back to that same place to where I have to smoke continually. But I knew whenever he took that one cigarette again... It wasn't going to be long before he was right back in the mess that he was in. Because just like the scripture says, it says, if they have escaped the corruption of this world and they are once again entangled in it and they're overcome, it says the, 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 the end is worse than it was in the beginning. It says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of life than to have known it and then to turn your back on the sacred command that was passed on to you. It talks about it being like a dog that returns to its vomit. You ever seen that happen? A dog go and, and, and just hurl all over the ground, and then they go right back, and they start licking it up. And it says it's just like a, a sow or a pig that's been washed. They go right back to the mud. And before you know it, they're right back in the same mess that they were in the beginning, and they get even worse. And I'm telling you, that's what the enemy, I, you know, sometimes I can't rightly divide if it's the enemy or my flesh. I believe that they kind of, they work in, 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 in tandem with one another. See, the enemy knows your weakness. He knows what you're susceptible to. He knows that, that if, if I can get you on this, I can get you down and I can get you bound. And whenever he gets you bound, your power is going to be severely limited. I, I've got a, uh, a video real quick I want to show you guys because you say, well, why is it important that I'm free? It's not just about you being free, but it's for your family. Take, take a look at this real quick. This is powerful. <laughs> Menaris, Menaris. <laughs> okay, shh, he coming, he coming. Okay, I think he coming, y'all. I think he coming. He's coming. Is this it? This is it? This is it? This is it? Oh my God, who's that? Yes, it is. 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 Okay. Okay. Everybody stay behind the yellow line now. Same I regret the day I left home when I took my gun and then I killed a young man, causing his family so much pain and suffering. 
little one. Come here. <laughs> I received 29 years to life. 26 years later, I'm here today as a free man. I knew I was a free man once I was on the other side of that gate. With my wife and my children and my family. And my wife is Tina Johnson. She's a godsend angel. Tina married me the week before I was sentenced to prison, stayed with me the entire time, and we were blessed to have three children. Yeah. Love you. Y'all get the kisses for real. <laughs> no more too many hugs and too many kisses. Thank you. <laughs> I've been away from you for all the years. But you turn out beautiful. My kids are young adults now. Love you. My baby. <laughs> you wonder, being 60 years old, if you have enough life left to be able to be a part of their lives. <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> oh, Lord. Tiffany, my daughter in North Carolina, surprised me when she came up. Oh, yeah. You got me here. Now. And when she popped out, it's like everything was just, it just rushed. You know, so much emotions, and I held her, and she was crying and calling me her daddy and stuff. You, I thought you wasn't going to make it here. But I wasn't going to miss this. Oh, thank you, dear. To have my dad be free, to be out of prison, is what we've been missing. Like, now our family's going to be complete. Hi, YouTube. I don't know about you, but if, if for no other reason, I want to be free for my children. I want to be free for my family. I don't want my wife to have to make excuses for me. I don't want my children to have to, to, to look in shame or something. And, and, and I believe that just like this guy, he had gotten out of prison. I, I believe there's people, you, you don't have to be in prison to be bound. You, you can be right here in this church service and have some stuff that is, has become attached to you. And, and it's up to you. You have to decide, do I, am I happy with the way that I'm living, or is there more? I, I don't want to be just partially free, and I don't want to be free for a time period. I want to be free my whole life. Because if, I, if I'm free, then I can do things for God that I can't do if I'm bound. See, if, if you're in a prison of your own sin, then, then you're going to be severely limited in, in your witness. Because in, in the back of your mind, you're going to think, I, well, I know God says he came to set us free, but I've got this. And, and, and your witness, it's like your, your praise is limited. I, I want to be free. You've got to set some standards for your family. You know, Jeremiah 35, uh, verses 1 through 10, and I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. There was a guy, and his name was, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Rickab, And it says he had a family. And one day, Jeremiah the prophet, he... Uh, he invited this guy's family. He says, hey, I want y'all to come into the house of God. And he says, I, I brought him into an inner room. And he says, he put bowls of wine before them. And he says, I want you to drink the wine. And uh, they kind of took a step back and they said, no, we're, we're not going to do that because our grandfather had made a commandment 
I don't want you to drink wine. And he went further. He says, I don't want you to, to live in a house. I don't want you to buy houses. I want you to live in tents. I'm not saying that you can't drink and things like that. I'm saying, what are the standards for your family? See, I think that too often we don't set standards for our family. And then we begin to look just like the world. We, we, there's no distinction about us. And so this family, they had made a distinction about them. And, and, and Jeremiah goes on to say later on, he says, I wish that we had that kind of obedience to God that this family has for their father and for their grandfather. Because what, what, what standards are you setting for your family? See, I, I've got certain standards for my family that I'm going to hold up, that I've got to hold up because if I don't, our family will begin to go by the wayside, that we'll begin to lose our distinction. The Bible says there's people who would honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, you can come to church, and we can praise, and we can lift our hands, but where's your heart at? See, the Bible says you are to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. The things that you're dealing with, they're coming from your heart. What's going on in your heart is eventually going to show up as fruit in your life. You've got to decide, okay, well, I've got to, I've got to be a little more diligent in how I guard my heart. See, there's things I, I began to think about in my family just the other day, and I'm not going to call them out, uh, but I had a, a, one of my children, they had a, it was homecoming week, and they had some shorts on. And uh, they said, well, if, if they tell me, I kind of gave it away with the shorts, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, they said, well, if, if, if I get in trouble for these shorts, I just, I'm not going to participate in homecoming stuff. And that kind of set me off because uh, I believe you, we're always going to have authority. And, and your, your, your ability to submit to authority is going to either deter you or it's going to, to help you. And so I said, I don't like it. I said, you're not wearing them. And uh, this particular child of mine uh, went off to their room. And uh, the next day, I'm giving them this particular child a ride to school. And, uh, and I said, hey, are we cool? We, we still all right? And the eyebrows kind of raised. And it was like, yeah, yeah. We're, you know. How many of y'all got kids that they give you body language and you know exactly what they're saying? <laughs> But, but I'm here to tell you, it wasn't so much the shorts as it was, are you willing to submit to authority? Are, are you willing to say, you know something, I'll, I'll take that, and, I, and I'll, I, I'll come under that authority. See, that, that's part of the, the thing with being free, is you've got to be willing to submit yourself to authority. And, to, and to, if somebody says, hey, I see this about you. I, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a guy that uh, he came into where I work. And I, I hold people accountable. I, uh, I asked, I said, hey, did you go to church yesterday? And uh, this is a grown man, okay? And he said, yeah, I did. I said, all right, that's, that's awesome. About, uh, he had been gone about 10 minutes, and I get a phone call. And he said, man, I, I feel bad. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I lied to you. He said, I, I didn't go to church. And I told him, I said, man, I have so much respect for you now because you were willing. You know, a lot of times we think as adults that, that we got these little white lies and we just don't want to, you know, deal with it. See, there's certain times you got to deal with stuff. God says he'll, he'll bring it up to your remembrance. And that, that gentleman had an opportunity to just kind of push it down and say, that's no big deal. But he was pricked in his heart. 
And he called me up and said, I, I'm sorry. I said, man, I, I forgive you. And it's, you know, but I thought that was the coolest thing. All right, do you still have that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in your life to where if he says, whoop, bring something to your remembrance, are you able to say, you're right? You're right. you got to submit to God. See, the Bible says that whenever we submit ourselves unto God, resist the devil, it doesn't just say that he'll, he'll leave us alone. It says he has to flee. But first, you better be submitting yourself to God, and then he'll flee. If, if you try to just resist him on your own, see, what happens is that too often we just say, I, I'm going to do better, I'm going to be a better person, and all this, and it never works out because we're not submitted to God, and we're not submitted to the authority that God has placed over our life. Are you willing to submit to God? Then you resist the devil, and then he'll flee. There, there's different things because I'm telling you guys, I, I want to be victorious in my life. I don't want to battle the same things over and over again. And don't just, don't just push things aside. You know, for guys, it's one set of issues. For, for girls, it's another set. Girls, it's always like the gossip, the backbiting, the, the things where we compare ourselves one to another. For guys, I've said it before, y'all know what our problem is. It's very obvious. It's the women. Women are, are that's, if, if, God, if the enemy's going to bring somebody down, it's usually through a woman. And I've got a story here I want to read about. 2 Kings chapter 9, starting in, I, well, before we, before we get to this point, I want to tell you a little bit about a guy named Jehu. Jehu was, uh, it says they were gathered around on the, makes it sound like they were like on the front porch or something. And uh, it says they were sitting around, and this, this prophet, this man of God came up to him and says, uh, I, I need to, to speak to, to Jehu. And Jehu says, well, I, I'm Jehu. He's like, okay, I, I, need to, I need us to meet in private. And it says the prophet went in, it says he had a flask of olive oil, and he began to pour it on Jehu's head. And I, I believe that if you saw Jehu, there was like greasy spots all over his hair and all over his face. He went back out, and, and the gentlemen that, that were with him, they said, what did that crazy guy want? And they said, oh, he didn't want nothing. And I'm sure drops of oil were just coming down his hair. And they're like, you, we know you're not telling the truth. What did he want? He says, well, he actually, he came to anoint me as king. And it says, they began to lay down their robes before Jehu and proclaim him as king. It says, they blew the trumpet. Oh, I guess they had a trumpet right there. I don't know, but that's, that's what they did. And it says, immediately Jehu got up and he begins to pursue after what God had, had called him to do. And it says that, you know, the kings of Israel and, and the king of, of Judah, they had become somewhat deteriorated, I guess to put it mildly. They had kind of forsaken what God had told them to do. And Jehu was the person of vengeance that God chose to raise up in that day. And it says that, that, that they sent out a messenger. They were looking through their binoculars, and they saw Jehu coming, and he was, says he was driving furiously on his chariot. So they sent somebody out, and they said, Jehu, do you come in peace? And he says, what do you know about peace? He says, get behind me. And I heard Jensen Franklin preach one time. He says, that's the turnaround anointing. Because the one who came out who was for the enemy, the, the anointing got on him, and he turned around and began to follow behind Jehu. And it says they were still looking out, and they said, hey, well, we sent the one guy out, but, but he's following behind Jehu now. And he says, we'll send another one out. They sent another guy out, and he says, Jehu, do you come in peace? He says, what do you know about peace? Get behind me. And, and he began to follow after Jehu. Well, then King, King Joram, who's the king of, of uh, one, one of the kings there, he, he, he himself went out. And he says, Jehu, do you come in peace? He says, 
I sure don't. And it says he began to flee. And it says Jehu pulled back his bow, and it says it shot him through the heart. It says it pierced his heart. And then he began to, to pursue after King Ahazi, and he got him too. It says he was hit. He wasn't killed immediately, but he was deathly wounded and ended up dying. And it says then, this is where the story gets interesting. Jehu got to Jezreel, and it says whenever Jezebel heard about it, it, it says she began to, to put on makeup. She began to, to doll herself up and had on one of those religious dresses where it's a lo and behold. And she began to hang out the window, and she said, Jehu, Jehu. And, uh, and I believe at that moment what happened was the Bible says that since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and they're looking down, it says you need to lay aside every weight and every sin that's, that easily besets you. And I believe all of heaven was looking down on what Jehu would do right then. It's the same way, guys, with us. See, see we're, I, sometimes I wish that there wasn't a cloud of witnesses because sometimes I've done some things I'm not so proud of. But, but there comes a time where you've got to lay it aside. And Jehu had the opportunity. I, I believe that Jezebel, I believe she looked good. I believe she was an older woman. She had it going on. And I believe she had dressed herself up. And, and Jehu had had victory. But there, this, this came into his life. And, and you can forsake all victory in a couple of minutes. You can lose it all. You look at our society this day and age, and you see the men who are so successful, so powerful, and they were brought down. It's crazy. I, I don't understand it. I, well, I do understand it. But you've got to decide, okay, well, how do I get past this? If you're a woman, don't, 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 don't fall for the traps of the enemy. Don't, don't gossip. Don't backbite. If you find yourself and God convicts you of something, don't just pass it off. Don't just say, oh, it's, it's no big deal. You know, every, everybody kind of does that. Everybody ain't doing it you got to be different. See, the Bible says that we are to come out from among them and be separate. If I look at your life, I, 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 sh I should know that you're a Christian. You shouldn't have to tell me. There should be some fruit that follows after you that convicts you of being a Christian. I, I, you know, I just wrote down a few names here. Lance Armstrong, Bill Cosby, Barry Bonds. All of these people, they have an asterisk by their name, because they, they got disqualified. Don't get disqualified. Don't, don't, you, you better guard your heart. You better get free. Don't, don't allow the enemy to, to just, what he does, he says, if, if, just, just, just do this, and, and, and I'll leave you alone. Never works out that way. If he can get you, if he can get an open door, He'll begin to plunder the house. He'll begin to go in and say, well, I know you said if, if you'll just give me this, I'll leave you alone. No, I want a little bit more. I want your children. I want your wife. I, I, I want to destroy your marriage. He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Don't ever make deals with the enemy and think he's going to hold up to his end of the bargain. He's, he's always going to, it's going to be nullified. And then you're left there like, whoa, how, how did this happen? How did I get here? Man, it's, it's always the small choices. It's always the things that where we think this isn't a big deal. And have you ever noticed, I, I love like the nature shows and, and how you always see like these cheetahs and, and, and they, they begin to zero in on somebody and they begin to go after them and, and they begin, they don't stop 
until it's dead. They don't just capture it. They want to destroy whatever it is they're after. That's the way your enemy is. He says he goes around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for an opportunity to get into your family and to get into your business, and then he's just going to devour it. He's going to steal everything that you worked so hard for, and it can happen in a matter of seconds. Think about like the butterfly and how they're, they're so beautiful. And what happens is, is, is they, get, they get in a web of something, and, and they get entangled. And the more and more they move, the more and more they get entangled. It's the same way in your life. Don't, don't think that you can fight the enemy on your own. You can't do it. The Bible says it's the sun that set us, sets us free. You, you can't just on your own good behavior. See, I don't believe you can be holy without the Holy Spirit. You need the presence of God in your life. Otherwise, you ain't going to make it. Something's going to happen. See, you, you've got to renew your strength. The, David, he, he said he, he had messed up, and he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He says, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit for me. See, you need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the touch of God on your life if you're going to make it. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to go into your workplace, you're going to go into your school, and you just begin to, to blend in with everyone else. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be different. You're, you're, you're not going to fall for the same things, but it takes, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. PJ, if you'll come on up. I began to think about what, what we can do as Christians and what we need to do to, to get past some things and not be entangled and not be overcome. And, and, and I believe there are different gauges in our life that are, you know, in the business world, we call them key performance indicators or KPIs. And in your life, I want you to ask yourself, what is your prayer time like? How, how much are you praying? When is the last time that you fasted? You say, what is fasting? Fasting is going without food. Fasting, it says, destroys the yoke. It, it does something. I'm, I'm telling you, whenever I begin to fast, I, I get my sensitivity back. So you can't just go out in this world and it not impact you. You, you begin, if you, if you kind of hang out in this world long enough, it wears you down. The Bible talks about the enemy. He, he'll wear down the saints. The only way that you can fight that is you get in the presence of God and He refreshes you. Rivers of living water begin to, to come forth out of your belly. But if you don't have that living water, you're only going to be able to sustain yourself for so long. You can't do it without God. How can a young man keep his way pure? It says, by living according to your word. If we wait on God, it says he'll renew our strength. How do you wait on God? It's not just by looking at your watch and waiting on God to show up. It's by praying. It's by, by spending time alone with God. See, if I don't spend time with my wife and I don't spend time with my kids, I begin to, to lose that relationship. It, it takes time. That's the only way you can get it. It's by, by spending time with someone, you begin to know them. And you begin to know what God has for your life. See, the enemy wants, he wants to, to get you all entangled, all encompassed in this world so that you don't ever fulfill what God has for you. I know what it's like to be bound. And I know what it's like to be free. And, and, and I want to be free. I, I, I don't want to just 
just go through life and just barely get there. I, I was thinking about the story where Jesus, I, I, I can't remember it all, but he says there was a guy that was blind and he prayed for him to receive his sight back. And, uh, and Jesus said, well, can you, is, is everything cool? You all right? And he says, well, I, a, a little bit, you know, I, I see, but it's like people look like trees. And I don't know why Jesus didn't do it all right then. I, maybe he's trying to prove a point. But he, he prayed again, and, and, and he was completely, you know, he, his, his sight was restored. See, you can have a, a partial freedom, and you can be satisfied with that. And if that's what you want, I hate it for you. You know, I, I think if you're bound this morning, or you've got some things that, are, that have attached to you, you should feel a little bit uncomfortable in a service like this. You shouldn't be able just to sit here and, and, and be, see, see you, can, you can quench the Spirit of God. You can push Him off long enough, and He'll get to the point where he'll, He won't speak to you anymore. Because if, if I talk to someone long enough, and they, they're not listening, eventually I don't talk to them. They're not paying attention. You can get to that point in God to where you can say, I, I hear you, God, but I don't want to hear what you're saying anymore. See, John the Baptist, what he would do is it says, you know, it says no one on this side of heaven was greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus, I believe that Jesus said, you can take it to the bank. He said there was no one born under heaven greater than John the Baptist. Well, how many miracles did John the Baptist do? None. None. You never read where somebody was raised from the dead by John the Baptist. You'll never read where somebody grew an arm back because of John the Baptist. What did he do? He preached repentance. He said, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says he came to prepare the way of the Lord. If you want the presence of God in your life, the only thing that's going to happen, the only way it's going to happen is if there's repentance. That's the only way it's going to happen. If you aren't prepared to repent and give up some things, the presence of God is going to be severely limited in your life. And you know what happened? There was, there, was a, there was a king, a Roman king, and it says he had taken his brother's wife, and John the Baptist confronted him about it. And, and he says, I, I, you know, he, he didn't want to deal with it. Well, eventually there was this big party, and it says uh, Herodias, her daughter, began to dance at this party. And, uh, and she, I don't know what all she was doing. She was doing the Humpty Dance, or she was, what, what she, but she had it going on so much so that this king, he was like, I mean, it, it had him all messed up. He said, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want, half the kingdom. And just says, she went to her mom and says, mom, you know, the, he says, he'll give me whatever I want. And she said, I, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. I want, I want his head to roll off. It says he was saddened, but he did it because he had made a vow at the party. See, there, there comes a point where you can cut off the head of repentance in your life, and then, and then you won't hear it anymore. You, you better not look forward to that day. It'll make it easier on you, I can guarantee you that. But in the end, he lost everything. He lost everything. So I want everyone to stand up this morning. I don't want to end the service without giving you the opportunity to make some things right. You say, well, I, I don't need to come down there. I, 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 can, I can do that right here. You, I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying there's something about going public. 
You, you know, whenever I got married, I didn't get married in the woods. I, I got married in public. I made it known. And, and, and there's something to say. There wasn't a lot of people there. There's only about 50 people. And, uh, but it was public. And, and I know there's people in here today that there's things, for whatever reason, they've tried to attach to your life. They've tried to hinder your, your walk with God. And you have an opportunity this morning to say, you know something, I, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say, but I, I, wanna, I want something new. I want something powerful in my life. I, I, I want the presence of God in my life so strong that whenever the enemy does come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard and be able to counterattack and so that this doesn't continue to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. See, you can store up righteousness for your family or you can store up judgment for your family. So with every eye, I want you to just bow your heads for just a moment. I want to pray. Father, I believe that this is the word for today. God, I pray that... uh, there's people here today, God, that this has touched their hearts. God, it hasn't just touched their hearts, but something inside of them is going crazy right now. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would, would go out from this pulpit into, through the altars, through the congregation. And God, I know there's people here that they need your touch. God, they need a breakthrough, God, and, and they've tried to do it in their own strength. But your word says it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your Spirit. And God, we give this service over to you. I pray, God, that that they would have the boldness to come down. God, we're going to pray with them, and we're going to begin to detach some things off of their life. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want anyone to be seated right now, but if that's you, I want you to come on down. Are you bold enough to come down this morning? The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as lions. Don't let anything keep you pinned to that seat this morning. Amen. Can we give these a hand this morning? Anyone else? Don't don't let your pride keep you in that seat this morning. Don't let anything stop you from what God wants to do. We've been fasting for this service. We've prayed over this service from about two weeks ago. I began to picture this service in my mind. And I don't want it just to be where you go out of here and and everything's back to normal. I want you to be changed this morning. We're going to spend just a few minutes and we're going to pray for these. I'm telling you, I believe that God is going to do a work. I, I love the Spirit of God. I love the power of God. See, the Bible says that we can have a form but no power. If you want the power of God in your life, I want to lay hands on you this morning. And I believe God is going to move in your life. And those things that have been plaguing you for some time now... You're going to feel them pop off. Of, they're going to pop off. So, PJ, if you'll play, I want to pray for these this morning.